All right, friends, let's have a prayer and let's get going. Lord, on this day, as in every day, we celebrate your love. We remember that you loved the world in order to make it. You love the world to be with it. You love the world to send your son. You love us. We celebrate that love as we open your word to us again, remembering that because of your love, you have given yourself to us, you have revealed yourself to us, you have told us what we need to know for living life on this good earth in a way that honors you and that is successful for us. We thank you for all these things that we remember, and we remember as well that when we come to you in prayer, earnestly seeking to learn from you, that you honor us in that request, and that we do in fact learn. We hear the good news about your love. So be with us now as we open your word for Jesus' sake. Amen. Okie dokie. Uh, This is one of those, uh, in some sense, very blessed sort of days where we have just a tiny little piece of scripture that we're going to look at. Later on in the book of Exodus, we'll be reading multiple chapters with volumes of information, uh, but that all really just says one thing. And as we uh, are in the Ten Commandments, we're in a place where a few words say an awful lot. And of course, you've noticed that we are slowing down a whole lot as we consider the Ten Commandments because of their importance in the overall scheme of the biblical story, their importance in uh, the life of uh, the Christian communities, all of those sorts of things. So um, before we dive into the particular commandment for today, uh, it is important that we remember the context of the giving of the Ten Commandments. Uh, very few people, I think, probably remember the context. They, they don't remember the story that's being told. Because we take the Ten Commandments out and we put them on a card or a wall plaque or a stone obelisk somewhere, and they seem to just sit there kind of by themselves. But they are not just by themselves. And we've looked at that context, but it's always important to remember it. God has rescued the Hebrew people from slavery. God has taken them away from non-existence, if you will, and is giving them existence again, not just existence, but God is fulfilling his promise to bless this group of people so that they then can bless the rest of the world with the knowledge of who God is and who we are meant to be. God has taken the people out of Egypt. He's walked them through the Red Sea. He's given them water, food, protection from enemies. In all of those ways, God has been showing his love to the people, and God has been reestablishing in some sense and strengthening and making very obvious the relationship that God wants to have with us, and therefore then talks about the relationships that we are meant to have with each other. So the Ten Commandments are God's way of revealing to us who he is and who we are and who we are meant to be. I always use that phrase meant to be because we don't live up to who we are meant to be perfectly, of course. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Uh, But in being who we are meant to be, that's how we have our highest good, our deepest joy. Uh, That's how we, I don't know where this phrase came from, but that's how we live our best life. Have you run across that phrase? I don't know where that... What's that? That's over? Is it over now? Oh, Oprah. Oprah. That's an Oprah phrase. Oh, live your best life. Okay, well, um, you know, God bless Oprah. That's not a bad way of, of thinking about it in that way, I guess. So 
As we remember all those things about the commandments, we remember that we are in a relationship with God. God already was in a relationship uh, with the people of Israel. Uh, all those things that God had done uh, reinforced, reestablished in a sense that relationship. And now God is going deeper into how we have that, <coughs> how we have that relationship and what it means. So let's remember that uh, as we read this, uh, this commandment. So Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That's it. That's all we're going to talk about today. You might have thought that we're only going to be here for five minutes, but that's not the case. <laughs> okay? The way I would like to talk about this is to let you talk about this. Uh, this is one of those places I think it, it, it's very helpful for us to kind of... Uh, hold these words in our mouths and our minds and just kind of let them sit there and get the flavor and, and play around with them and then think about what they actually mean. So let me ask you this question, and Catherine's going to get the microphone ready and be ready to come and hear from you. What does this commandment say to you? What is interesting about it? What might be confusing about it? How would you understand it and apply it in your life? All of those questions. Let's just start the conversation there, and then we'll walk through it. So what does this say to anybody? Let me say a couple more things, but I'm going to turn this back to you in just a couple of minutes. Um, the first four commandments, this is often noted, the first four commandments primarily speak about our relationship with God. You shall have only one God. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall celebrate the Sabbath as a way of having relationship with God. That's all about the so-called vertical relationship we have with God. With this fifth commandment, the focus shifts a little bit to talk about our relationships with each other. God gave us four commandments to talk about Him, and He's given us six commandments to talk about each other. 60% of the Ten Commandments are about our relationships with each other. Now, we don't want to draw too sharp a line between God and us because those two things are very much tied together. We start with God. That's where everything starts. That's where everything ends, with God. But it necessarily, it must, it cannot help but have an implication, our relationship with God, it has an implication on our relationships with others. Okay? That's one thing we can note in this. Another thing we can note in this is that this commandment is about the fundamental human relationship. All right? Now, I know that, that all of you have your honey that you've been married to for 800 years and you don't know what you would do without him and all that other good stuff. This is Valentine's, right? Or maybe you don't. <laughs> There, what is the fundamental human relationship? Love. No. What? 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 Yes, you're right. Uh, love is always a good answer. Jesus is always a good answer. But let's look a little more specific here. Parent and child. Parent and child. Right. If there are no parents, there are no children. If there are no children, there are no people. 
the, the fundamental human, you can, you can think about your brothers and your sisters, your spouses, your best friends, you can think about all the other people in the world, but where does it all begin? Mom and dad and child. And so that's where the conversation starts, is with the fundamental human relationship. You can go through your life without ever having a friend, without ever having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. You can go through your all of your life without having any other human relationships, but the one that you must have is the relationship with father and mother. Without father and mother, you don't exist. Yes. So God created man and mm-hmm. women, woman. The man and woman created a child. Mm-hmm. So typically parents love their children mm-hmm. when they're born. This is another symbolism of God loving his creation. Sure. Sure. So you've got that. So as a child, you look at your parents, and in a child's mind, that is their world. Mm -hmm. And it is up to the parents to raise that child, to nurture that child, to love that child, and teach that child of their creator, God, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to love and worship God. So in one sense... This sixth commandment is going back to the first one. Love the Lord your God with mm-hmm. all your heart, soul, mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You could go all those places. I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start. The words of the commandment are, honor your father and mother. Who is this commandment addressed to? Children. To children. Not. It doesn't begin with, Parents love your children. It begins with children honor your parents. Isn't that interesting? The microphone's gone somewhere else. Yes. Yes. Um, I think we all almost think of our parents as very special, perhaps almost like God, Mm -hmm. because we don't exist without them. Plus, Mm -hmm. when we are born, we can't do a darn thing about it. Mm -hmm. We have they are our saviors. So I thought about this with my parents last night, and I remember thinking my mom and dad were just absolutely the most perfect people in the whole wide world because they <laughs> obviously at that time loved me. Mm-hmm. As time passed, um, I wasn't perfect. And mm-hmm. so they didn't like me sometimes, you mm-hmm. know? Um, mm-hmm. Darn it. And my dad gave my mother the authority to to keep me in my place. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about my mother in a different way. Mm -hmm. And um, I loved her, but darn, she didn't like me sometimes, Mm -hmm. and that just didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. So through my life, it took me years to realize that they were not perfect, nor was I. Mm -hmm. And uh, instead of being kind of cool to my mother on certain times, I figured out, wait a minute, she really does love me because she stopped me from doing things that weren't a good idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so with that circle, when you put the commandment together with it, it gives you a really different perspective on how important 
your little your parents are to you regardless of how they treat you. Yeah. Now I know also that there have been people that have been treated really mis mistreated. That's a whole other story. I don't luckily I didn't have to experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it is this commandment is kind of easy to swallow in some sense if you've had fantastic parents understanding that no parents are perfect, of course. But there, some parents do a better job of parenting. Some people do a better job of living a life. Um, and, and that's just reality. That's not ultimate judgment upon a person or whether God loves that person or not. And so this commandment, in a sense, becomes more problematic. But I, I, there are some ways to deal with that. Uh, when parents are not so honorable, right? It's easy to honor the honorable, but it's not so easy to honor the dishonorable. We'll talk more about that. Yes, Laura. There's a generational piece to this since we're always children. <clears throat> we always have a parent we need to honor, and if everybody was honoring their parents, everybody would be loving each other, and there'd be a lot of love in the community. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? There, there is a generational thing happening here, and, and you note correctly that everybody is always a child, Okay. The only people who didn't have parents, you could say, were Adam and Eve, okay? Uh, they had God as their parents, so to speak. But everybody else that flows out of that is a child, and everybody else, in some sense, becomes parent. Now, I know a lot of people don't have children, uh, and there's an awful lot to say about all that. But everybody else uh, who gets any years on them be becomes of an age that they could be a parent, so to speak. But this, this commandment takes us to, to a place where in the fundamental relationship that we have, child and parent, the key word is honor, is it not? And if everybody did more honoring, then maybe the whole, the whole thing would get better. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Over here. Going in the same direction um, with my thought is that you're, even when you become an adult, you, you are still their child, but we continue to honor our parents throughout their lives, and maybe even more so as they get older and need, need us, and the roles kind of reverse as we get older, and we become more like the parent in some cases. Yeah. Um, but the other thought I had, and I, I don't know if there's an answer to this, but um, if you're a child who is adopted... Who, who are your parents? Are they your biological parents? Are they the people who raised you? Um, or maybe you just honor both. But um, it was kind of an interesting question to think about. Yeah, that is, that is an interesting question. And, and we have to note, you know, today adoption is all over the place. I, I think there was a lot more adoption that has gone on in human history than we would understand or, or think about. Uh, because in, in human history, uh, oftentimes women died young or died in childbirth and somebody else had to step in as the mother, so to speak. Um, fathers, those Roman soldier fathers would go off to war and get killed and somebody has to step in as a father. So um, life is not all, you know, leave it to beaver where everything is perfect and it's far from that. And so there's an awful lot of parenting and childing going on uh, between people who are not biologically related in that way. And um, I think the, the healthiest way to look at all of that is that um, we want to honor the people who gave us our biological start, okay? Mm -hmm. 
Now, maybe someday we'll, I, I, I don't know how we'll ever, uh, and I frankly don't hope that we don't ever find a way to create human beings without the fundamental union of what female and male contribute to making another human being, right? Um, so there's got to be a mother and a father somewhere there. And even if it's in a test tube context and you never know, at least we have to honor that sense that a mother and father come together, right? That's the way God made biology. Um, with that said, clearly, um, either through, uh, through accident, through whatever life brings, uh, mother and father are not always able to be mother and father. And so other mothers and fathers come along. Um, I, I would want to take that conversation to a place of honoring anyone who has served in that role. And, and um, in some ways, I can say that I've had lots of mothers and fathers, right? I do, you know, my mom and dad were, well, dad was, mom is, dad still is, if you want to talk about resurrection. But I, I had great folks. Um, but I had lots of other people in the generations above me who also provided parental something or other, right? Um, and most of them, some of them were in the family. A lot of them were in our church because our little church, you know, was like family. This would be pretty much the whole church gathered together in the kind of church that I grew up in. A few more people than are here today. So, yeah, that, that's good to point out. That I, um, I think as you don't really respect or appreciate your parents until you become one and then you all of a sudden realize what your parents did for you sure. over the years and um sure it really changes that whole relationship when you become a parent yes it's amazing how much you learn about about what life is supposed what life actually is as you experience that life right i i like to think of this commandment in some sense directed at children and even more so directed at teenagers. Uh, and, and I don't want to diss teenagers. You know, I was a teenager once. You were a teenager once, right? Uh, and, and clearly, when, when, uh, Doreen, when your mother stopped liking you, that's when you were, right? <laughs> okay, okay. You know, chil little children um, have to learn that mom and dad are the are the boss. If if a child is running the show, we're in serious trouble. That's all there is to it. Okay. Um, at some point, the child gets to be old enough uh, when they become a teenager that they think they know how to run the show, of course, and try to. Um, but then, if they survive that experience <laughs> yeah. uh, and 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 become parents themselves, then they learn how tough it was. But that's why the commandment is so important. Uh, you cannot let children run the show. You cannot let teenagers run the show. Um, it takes some wisdom. It takes some maturity. All of that stuff. Um, and and so from the get go, we have to understand that hierarchy of relationship. Now, we cannot take that. Some, uh, this commandment can be taken and has been taken historically uh, to mean that um, children and teenagers should be ordered around, that they should not be respected in their own right, that they could be abused, perhaps, 
you can take this to an extreme. The commandment says you're supposed to honor me, therefore I get to be your master, your taskmaster, your owner, all that kind of, obviously can go all kinds of horrible places that this commandment taken by itself might lead you to think about. But if you take all the other commandments and everything else that God says about how we're meant to treat people, you cannot go there. You cannot go there, right? Yeah. What is honoring? Respecting? Say it again. I, obey, yes. Admiring, esteeming, yes. How? Taking care of, yes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. How do you show respect or honor? You validate, yes. Allow them to be who they are. Listening. Yeah, listening, paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I, I love to think about specific things that we actually do. It's one thing to say, I honor my parents. Okay, what'd you do? Well, I don't know. I just honor them. No, what did you do? Right? What did you do? Well, yes, Nina. Well, I think there's honoring and there's honoring. There's the kind of honoring that's outside of yourself where you make their dinner or, you know, serve them in some way. But I find in my own life that honoring my parents, I find myself doing things that they have modeled for me. Mm-hmm. If I set a beautiful table, it takes me right to my mother's taste in things and doing things, and I find myself arranging things or doing some activity that would have been agreeable to them and probably was, and that's where I learn it. It's sort of just kind of continuing in my life a lot of the unspoken yet very apparent gifts that they gave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. You honor, it it doesn't go back their direction, but it goes from them through you outwards. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Over here to Ruth. There we go. When my son was a teenager, uh, he liked to play soccer after school, Mm -hmm. and the school was a long walk from our house. And I worried about him because uh, he didn't have anybody that he was walking with. And so I was there. And when he finally came home, I said, where have you been? <laughs> and he said, don't you know that God isn't through with me yet? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's good. Yes. It's good to be a theologian sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, we got more going here. I was wondering, Jack, if you could comment on, I I learned from you to think a lot of when we read scripture of the original audience. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking of all that the weary travelers had to face and what they've gone through. And it occurred to me that there were a lot of little kids amongst all those people Mm -hmm. at the time of this huge migration and being saved and resaved. So it's interesting to me how the second part is so that you may live long. Mm -hmm. Um, How interesting at the time, maybe there was a significance, and you can comment on this, of 
how much in the audience if they were kids, which were kind of back in that society pretty diminished along with women. But if you could comment about the original audience and how much of that might have even been at the time a significant point of God's commandments, knowing these little kids' ears were hearing this, honor your father. You've been through a lot, little mm -hmm. kids and all age kids. Honor your father and mother so that this land I'm bringing you to, you can live long mm -hmm. because they're teaching you my ways. So by honoring them, you're following those ways and that it will create the future I intend for you as mm -hmm. you grow old. Mm -hmm. I know that's a lot, but. Yeah, no, that is a lot. And, and, and you're on to several things there. You're on to several things. I always go back to the original context. Why do these people need to hear that specific thing? Uh, I think there's lots of things going on. Um, think about this fact that um, after, after a year or two, there are going to be babies who are being born into this Jewish community, this Hebrew community, uh, that have never lived back in Egypt. And they're going to say, Mom and Dad, why are we wandering around out here, right? What's that about? Uh, and there, there are now, I don't know why I just thought of this, um, there are lots of children who are now 8 or 9 or even 10 years old or 11 by now uh, from, from Syria whose families left Syria, went into Jordan or uh, Lebanon or Turkey. Uh, they're Syrian children who have never lived in Syria. They've been born as refugees. It's kind of that same dynamic. So part of the honoring is about listening to, paying attention to your parents and the experience that they had coming out of Egypt so that you know who you are. Now that becomes important with more important with every successive generation. We're told essentially that the generation of people who left Egypt all die in the wilderness. And uh, a new generation is born. Well, that new generation needs to know why they're here and where they're going. So part of honoring is learning from your history who you are. That's part of the commandment. But expand that now. It's not just for them, it's for us, right? You, you got here somehow or other, not just you got here onto the planet, you were born, but you got here somehow or other because of what mom and dad did or did not do. And by extension, not just mom and dad, but, but who else after that? You have a grandfather, a couple of them, right? And grandmothers, right? And then keep going back. So this is a, in some sense about honoring all the past, paying attention to it, listening to it, to it, respecting it, even if it was horrible, even if your past is full of, of horse thieves and axe murderers, right? Uh, we don't honor that part, but we learn from that, right? We pay attention to that. So that's part of what's going on. Another part of the context here is that um, the, generally speaking, the societies of the, the, uh, the ancient Near East were, were all highly patriarchal, okay, highly patriarchal. And, um, and the father was the absolute ruler of everything. Males were the absolute rulers of everything. But notice that this commandment says, honor your father and mother. That's radical. We don't, we don't hear that as radical because we've gotten used to the idea that, that women are, are superior to men, right? <laughs> or, or whatever that might be, right? We've, that, that doesn't seem strange to us at all, which is actually, that means we've made some progress. 
it means we've actually made some progress. But back then to say, honor your father and mother was radical. Very, very radical. So um, here, here's one of the places from very early on in the story uh, where you have a new thing being, being discussed, being promoted. This is what God says to do, okay? Here's another part of the context of this, that in ancient societies, uh, you did not always pay close attention to the needs, especially of the elderly generation, right? Um, here's a simple fact of life, uh, that when we are born, we are useless, in fact, we are 100% self-centered, needy creatures, especially as human beings, right? It takes a long time before a human being is able to take care of itself. So society invests a whole lot into brand new human beings. But then over time, a person becomes not a taker from, but a giver to society. And that goes for a period of time. And then as you get towards the end, once again, you become a taker from rather than a giver to. And this is thinking in very, very basic terms, right? You, don't, you can't go out and tend the fields anymore or look after the sheep or do all of the things necessary for life. And so a baby is a liability, right? But at least the baby has the potential for being an asset. An old person is a liability, and all they are going to be is more and more and more of a liability. When you look at life from a strictly utilitarian point of view without any aspect of God involved in that, but when you bring God into the equation, then you bring in the idea that all of life is sacred, that all of life is beautiful, that we are, we are meant to look for and respect the image of God that is built into each one of us that has nothing to do with age or, or utility, usefulness. It has to do with the image of God that's built in. And so in ancient societies, oftentimes, Sometimes old people were revered. Sometimes old people were just put to the side, right? And, and that's not just an ancient issue. I, I can tell you plenty of stories where, you know, it's just inconvenient to have mom or dad around anymore, so put them in a nursing home somewhere. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you get put away so that you're just not a problem anymore, we have a problem, Houston, right? And so the commandment calls us to honor from the very beginning, all the way to the very end. And we have begun to learn that in the honoring, there's an awful lot that even the oldest among us still have to give to society, right? That's not why we honor them. But, but in that honoring, we begin to learn there is still much to learn. So to come to the point of, so that it will go well, so that you will live long in the land that I'm giving you. This is the only commandment that has a promise attached to it, okay? Let me ask this question, why? Why or how, maybe is a better way to ask it, how does honoring parents, honoring those generations that have come before us, how does that lead to our own longevity and success? Okay, we got a hand up over here. And then you had your hand up a second ago, didn't you? We'll come back to you, sorry. Let's, let's go there and then we'll go there. You, I, you do remember what you were gonna say. Okay, good. Sorry. I got, I got off on that. There we go. 
I think that um, honoring your parents, you're being observed by others. Your children are seeing how you honor your parents, how mm -hmm. you treat your parents in that relationship, and that's, that's really how they learn. Not so much by what we tell them, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. by what they see us doing. Yeah, yeah. And so Excellent. they'll they'll see that as an example of how we should be behaving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And learn to become honoring people, right? People who do honor others and all the different things that honoring might mean, I think tend to become more honorable people themselves. Yeah, yeah. And teach other generations. Okay, let's come back here. Let's get the microphone to you. There we go. Um, yesterday, my daughter called me on the phone. Mm -hmm. My grandson goes to college in Texas, mm -hmm. and she was invited there by the fraternity that he's in. All the moms were invited for a mom's weekend. And my daughter was telling me on the phone, I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, she said, I couldn't believe it. Um, all the boys, the mothers were commenting afterwards all the moms, they were commenting how wonderful their children treated them, these boys. And they looked out for them and they said, Mom, I don't think you should go that way. I think you should go this way. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Directing them. And my daughter was kind of offended a little bit, like, Brody, I'm big enough to know. But he, for the first time, he was kind of stepping out and saying exactly what you're saying. Uh -huh. He's protecting and honoring uh -huh. his uh -huh. mother because yeah. he values her. Yeah. yeah. And it was not only him, it was the other boys also. And I thought that was a wonderful message because a lot of times you don't hear good things about fraternities, mm -hmm. but they are really doing a good job. That's cool. Yeah, that is not Animal House, right? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was proud of that. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. a cool thing. See, okay, so there, there is, there is uh, not just something to be celebrated, but there's a practical example of taking this commandment and putting it into effect, right? We are going to, as a community, intentionally set aside a time and a place where we honor our parents in that way. That's beautiful. Thank you. I like that idea. Yeah, over here. She reminded me, too, how important family is mm -hmm. and the connection and, you know, people, the family taking care of others. And that's so important in our health and mental health as well as physical health. Yes. And I think God created us to do the right thing. And so I think when we do honor our parents, that that does get passed on to other family members. Mm -hmm. And your life, you know, generally is happier, if you mm -hmm. will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think this, this does speak a lot about the general quality of family life. It, it begins with the proper relationship between parent and child, right? And nothing in this is, talks about, about, you know, children honor your parents and parents, you get to do whatever the heck you want because your children are supposed to honor you. But it sets up that context of the, the initial human relationship is about honor. And then it goes from there to infuse every other relationship within the larger family. And of course, we know that, that, that 
Healthy families are the place where healthy people are born and nurtured, which then makes society a healthier place to be. And Christianity, Judaism, is not the only religion or philosophy that understands that dynamic. Uh, but for us, it's right here directly from God. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. We hear of people being honored in parenting. Or to have the elderly bring in, come into the classroom mm -hmm. and to collaborate with the teacher and the kids so those children see how valuable the elderly are yes. as somebody to look up to and to honor. Yes, absolutely. Bringing, bringing the elderly into the classroom uh, and, and, and putting those generations together, the, the human tendency uh, in the modern Western world is to separate all the generations out. You know, even in church, right, where the, the kids are going to go there and the teenagers are going to go there and everybody's going to go to their separate corners and never even see that each other exists. But, but the church has begun to realize that, that we need to have the whole church family together, right? And um, at, at least part of the time. There's, there's reasons to separate off, but, but there are also equally valid reasons for being together again. And then, um, to me, um, this idea of the younger honoring the older um, asks the question of the older, right? Okay, if God says you're supposed to honor me, then, then I want to ask the question, am I honorable, okay? Uh, is there something in me that's, that's, that's worth celebrating, worth listening to? And as I have gotten older, one of the things that I have begun to think more about is how it is that with the status of my age, I'm meant to use what I have as a result of age in order to bless younger generations, okay? Um, I, I remember... Um, the the strength, the wisdom, the good advice, the encouragement, the love. I remember a million things that not just my parents, but but those above me gave to me, uh, and how valuable that was. And that implies then to me that now it's my turn to turn around and give that to others. Which is, which is one of the things that makes everybody still potentially valuable, right? Is that, and I've answered this question a million times, you know, uh, people who are, quote, too old to do what they used to do and wondering if they're just a drain on society anymore, right? We understand what that question is. I get that question. But the, the, uh, the so-called intangible or spiritual or psychological benefits that we have to give to the younger generation are invaluable. And as older people, if we're not investing in the younger generations, then, then we're not honoring the generations that have come before us because they gave us something wonderful, didn't they? And it's our turn to give something wonderful back. That's all involved in that. Yeah, thank you for highlighting that. Yes, Marilyn. Aspect of this discussion, I think, is the is the uh, fact that uh, genetic genealogists are very much in demand at this time, uh -huh. uh, searching for adoptees' relatives and parents. Mm -hmm. There is a big demand. Many adoptees really have a craving, uh, obsession, you might say, to find their 
their natural uh, parents. Mm -hmm. Others don't care. But, uh, and, and as a professional genealogist, I'm sure Lynn knows this as well, there seems to be uh, this inborn desire in most of us to find out our heritage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, as a genealogist, tracing your family history, or to find your natural birth parents. Mm -hmm. I think that's very, uh, very significant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no question. Now, I'm a person who absolutely loves history, so I'm an easy sell on that. Uh, but it's very clear to me that societies that don't know who they are and don't remember what their history is, don't remember from what they have come, get into very, very serious trouble very, very quickly. And uh, we, I mean, we all know that adage that those who, who don't remember history are condemned to repeat it. Uh, it, it, we say it all the time because it's, it's just true. That's all there is to it. And, and remembering that history, knowing who you are, learning the lessons of when it went badly and when it went well, um, all of that is what we begin to learn, first of all, from our parents. Uh, and, and I know that so much religious uh, argument, so much political argument uh, is always couched in terms of but that's not who we are. Don't you remember when X or Y or Z? And we forget all of that history at our peril and things go downhill, which is why I think this commandment is the one that says, honor father and mother so that it will go well with you in the land. So that it will go well with you, period. Learn from the past, learn from the wisdom that's there. Yes, uh, we got it back here. Okay. Um, I think because our cultures have changed so much that we you used to be multi-generational households mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. the grandparents lived either next door or in the same house and the younger ones were around their grandparents. Um, when I went to school in, in Kentucky, in the heart of Appalachia, um, in, in um, Hyden, in Leslie County, there were no nursing homes because families took care of their own. Right. And we would go on home visits and there would be a hospital bed in the living room with granny in it. Mm -hmm. And that, and the family took care of, you know, they, and there were also, there was this concept that there was no such thing as an illegitimate child mm -hmm. because that was not unusual that you'd have a 13 or 14 year old have a baby mm -hmm. and they just, they, they loved their babies and they didn't care how they came about. They just mm -hmm. loved them. And then a man would marry those girls and take that child on not, probably go through the legal process, but that child would be theirs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it, there's that cultural attitude, too, of, of accepting the old and the young and, and just taking care of them. And genetic disorders, so they had some kids with, you know, really kind of very difficult genetic disorders mm -hmm. to take care of, still kept them at home. Yeah, And yeah. took care of them. Still yeah. take care of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is very much the case. Most human society for most of history has been multi-generational in very close proximity. And it's only lately that we've separated a lot of that out, especially in affluent Western societies. And there's a lot of that. That's primarily about economics. You move away to get a better job somewhere. Um, and, and then also other forces and dynamics at play. But every social scientist in the world decries the, the loneliness, the isolation, all the different things that come from being separated from extended family. Um, and, and so one of the questions that I would want to ask is, uh, given that reality that we live into that kind of context, 
what is the, the role of the church in being extended family? You know, I've already told you my, my home congregation was extended family, even though mom and dad were right there and eight billion aunts and uncles and cousins, grandparents were either a long way away or already gone. So, but I had a lot of grandparents in the church. What is our role in that way? Okay, the microphone's gone. There we go, Penny. Okay, um, <laughs> I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it, I guess. Um, I've really struggled with this. It's the fifth commandment, right, Chad? Mm -hmm. And my mom was orphaned. Um, she, my grandparents came over from um, Norway, and both uh, they had three children, and they died really young. So my mom was like four years old and never had a parent mm -hmm. until later on my aunt went and got her. And so when she married my dad um, and then started having children of her own, she didn't really know how to, you know, even love a child or what mm -hmm. to teach your mm -hmm. daughter how to set a table, the forks go over here or whatever. And my girlfriend's mom used to tell me that she loved me, but my mom never told me that. Mm -hmm. And it broke my heart. You know, it made me so glad that Leah's mom would say, you know, I love you, Penny, but nobody else would, you know, well, I couldn't get it from my own family. So I did not honor her. And I was in communion at church and they had the, you know, so I struggled with it because I didn't think she deserved my, you know, because she wouldn't tell me she loved me. Sure. So um, as years go on and, you know, I um, would didn't really think about her situation until I got in college. I started thinking, well, gosh, nobody ever taught her how to love or mm -hmm. what to do or how to set a table. Or And I started respecting her and looking at her a little differently. I'd ask her questions, but she wouldn't talk about it other than one. I think one time she told me she was feral. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. She didn't have, she was actually raised by her two older brothers for a while running around this farm, dirty and, you know, nobody taking care of her for mm -hmm. two or three years before my aunt went and got her. But I think my point is later on, I've just learned over the years to, I love her, my mom, I respect her, I honor her. I, I can't imagine what it must have been like for her mm -hmm. to raise three girls and not really know how to give love. Sure. She had to learn on her own. And um, this has been a very important commandment for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, closer and dearer to it now than ever. And bringing mm -hmm. this up today, like you guys all talking about it, mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, maybe you don't have, you know, I would have liked to pick, you know, choose my parents at one point. Sure. Right? If I could have been given that, I would have done it in a minute. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Penny, you bring up something incredibly important in this, that, um, that there are many kinds of experiences with parents, uh, not all of which are positive, uh, some of which can be highly destructive. And, and how is it that we can fulfill this commandment? What, what can we learn from this? Certainly we do not honor that which is not honorable, but the commandment teaches us to look deeply into who a person is and why they are there. And in looking deeply, we can always find something that is there that is honorable and celebrate that, which I think comes out of the idea, uh, all in a sense goes back to the creation story. Your mother was created by God in God's image. Uh, she, I like to say it now, she did the best she could do from what she had. Uh, and without her being here, at the very least, you wouldn't be here. And so we can celebrate at least that. This in no way, shape, or form calls us to, to uh, sweep things under the rug or to deny, to deny the reality of, of how 
difficult and tragic sometimes these relationships can be. But it does call us to move beyond that. And that's part of the message of the gospel, to move beyond anything and everything to seek God's redemption and renewal and healing. And in your going beyond the, the obvious aspects of your relationship with your mother, uh, God healed you in that. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, one last comment and then we'll stop. Yes. Uh, this is sort of uh, tagging on to Penny and she, she didn't know about this, but uh, my, uh, my own Hold the microphone up. My father um, never told me he loved me mm -hmm. for a very, very long time. And when I was about, I don't know, 45 or so, I, I always felt as though I was not worthy or something. And that also that I should have been a boy because I was the third child and they hadn't had a boy yet. And... Um, you know that, and in the in their household in the German family, he had my father had uh, four brothers and only one sister. You know, so there was a big strain to have a son. Well, I always felt like I was like the scapegoat child, and other people probably felt that too, and. When I was about 45 and I'd been studying the Bible and I'd been become a, a believing Christian, and I started reading the, the Ten Commandments, and for some reason this particular commandment really struck me. I thought, well, am I honoring my father? Mm -hmm. Why doesn't he love me? And I, I made a conscious decision with God's leading to honor him by just spending time with him, um, telling him that I loved him. It started from me, mm -hmm. not from him, because he probably didn't have people telling him he, that he was loved when he was young. Mm -hmm. So I did that, and I will never forget the day standing in there like avocado green and orange and yellow kitchen, <laughs> you know, and in front of the refrigerator in this little tiny kitchen and him saying that he loved me. Uh-huh. Isn't that interesting? And I'll, that is one of the biggest, most important days of my life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't remember that many other times except in letters and things like that after that, but it began of the relationship that was meant to be. Wow. Thank you for sharing. That's a beautiful yeah. thing. You chose to honor the commandment. Yeah. And in that way, you were the vessel through which some healing and, and renewal happened. And That's I would amazing. say this, that if you have adult children, it's not too late. That's right. Um, really. Tell your adult children that you love them, mm -hmm. even if they're very unlovable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what God does for us, doesn't he? Yeah, all right. Let's pray. God, thank you for revealing your heart and your will, your mind. Thank you for showing us how it is that we can be and the blessing and joy that comes from that. 
Help us to learn more. Help us to do more. Help us to receive your healing. Help us to be agents of healing in your world. Help us to honor all those who have come before us and given us this message of your love. Help us to be those who someday will be honored by future generations. And may it all be for your glory. Amen. God bless you all.